Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning as we celebrate, for some of you, spring break. And, and it's funny to watch on spring break. We see that we have some that are excited and some that are sad. And it's usually inversely proportional to the age of the student. The uh, older they are, the less sad they are about spring break. So it was interesting in first service, we had quite a few teachers in both services, but in first service I was able to talk to a couple of them before the service began, and, and they love their children, they love teaching, but they're excited about the break. And I know some people traveling on spring break, but we are glad that you are here and those watching online, and, and as we think about it, it sometimes the... Uh, the picture of spring break is a, is a great picture of what Peter's going to teach us this morning. Let's pray and ask for God's wisdom as we look at his word. Father, as we come before you this morning, may we be encouraged in Jesus Christ. May we be challenged in our relationship with you. Lord, as we recognize the privileges that we have as your family. Lord, for those who have trusted you as Savior, the the amazing benefits of being children of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the greatest struggles that uh, people face and one of the biggest lies that Satan gives is comparing following Jesus Christ to simply a set of rules and regulations. And the idea that it's, that it's do's and don'ts. And, and oftentimes people choose not to follow Christ because they think if I follow Christ, I'm not going to have any fun. I mean, we just need to have a great time and then we won't worry about life after death. Just party hardy as we live here on earth. And, and people say, you know, I'm not going to follow Christ because it's just this, this rigid, miserable life. Or even followers of Christ. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it, it's like, what am I going to do to simply appease God? You know, I'm going to do just enough so God won't be really mad at me and He won't punish me and, and make my life miserable. I'm going, to, I'm going to do enough. Now, it's interesting, the Israelites in the Old Testament had that struggle. And, and they were like, okay, uh, we, they were drawn to the cultures around them. And the cultures around them Basically, it was the mindset was this in those other cultures. It's like, we're going to just not make the gods, and again, small g and plural, we're not going to make the gods angry. Our goal is to just sort of live life separate from the gods, and we're just going to give them enough to, so that they won't just be, be angry with us and punish us. And so, so they would do things and give their gods appeasement offerings. But I think oftentimes we as followers of Christ can have that same attitude. It's like, okay, I don't want God to be mad at me, so I'm going to give him this or that, and then, but then 
the rest of my life I've got to myself. And in today's passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter reminds us that life with Christ is so much different. Do you remember as a, as a young person, I, I, I mean, I was amazed. My parents were the only ones who had their kids do chores. Nobody else's parents had their, none of my friends had to do chores until I talked to them and found out they really did. But, and, and I have a brother that's four and a half years older than I am, and I was always very upset that he got to do things before I did. Now, he got to shoot a gun before I did. Even though if you look at age, age-wise, I got to shoot a gun long before he did. But my parents were just cruel. I mean, they, they made me do chores. They didn't let me do just whatever I wanted to do. And that's what we think about God. And we think that God is, is uh, it's been said before, I think originally with C.S. Lewis, if I remember right, uh, was the first one to say it that I know of, and it said, you know, God, we think of God as some cosmic killjoy up in heaven, just waiting for us to mess up so he can make our life miserable. And, and we get the Eeyore mentality, right? Winnie the Pooh's Eeyore. I mean, life is just filled with horrible things happening. I mean, his tail always falls off, right? And, and I mean, it's just life is tough. But Peter is going to remind us today that there are incredible benefits of following Christ. And in order to change that mindset, we need to look from a different perspective. And yes, a long-term perspective. Heaven for eternity, if we've asked Jesus Christ to forgive our sins and be our Savior. But also in our daily life, looking at it in a different pers- from a different perspective. You know, we need to remove ourselves from the lie that we will suffer Christ, will be a miserable but gotta do it life but instead to recognize the daily blessings that we have in Christ. And in 1 Peter 2, Peter shares three different pictures of the benefits we have in Christ. We see those in chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. And we're going to look at these three different pictures. The first one is the picture of stones. And we are living stones. And we have a picture of the temple here. And, and the Jewish people, now again, Jew, the, the people that listened or that were written to by Peter here that received the letter, it was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. But, but the Jews especially understood the temple. That was the focus of their lives. It was the center of everything. Not just religious, it was the center of their lives. And so God had mentioned, and Peter is sharing here, the idea that that we are the temple of God. And he uses the term, we are living stones. Built up together as a spiritual house. Let's look at what Peter says in verses 4-8, through or 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected 
deed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. So we see that we are living stones, but it begins with that solid foundation. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Now that is taken from Isaiah, also Psalm 118. There are several passages in the Old Testament that talk of this cornerstone. And, and you have to understand, in, in their building, they would have the cornerstone and everything else would be built upon that cornerstone. Every angle and wall of that building were, were in correlation to the cornerstone. It was the foundation of it all. If you're involved in construction, you realize that no matter what you do up top, if you don't have a good foundation, the building is going to have some serious issues. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. Now, again, part of that attitude of maybe I'm going to just appease God, we say, God, you can have this part of my life, and you can have that part of my life, but there's certain aspects of my life I'm not going to give you. They're going to just sort of be free-floating. They're not going to be connected to the cornerstone. But, but God says, Jesus needs to be the foundation of it all. And in each of these three pictures, we see benefits and responsibilities. The benefit of being a spiritual building, being these living stones built upon the cornerstone, is that we have a solid foundation. Throughout the Psalms, David and the other psalmists remind us of our foundation, the solid rock. One example, Psalm 62, verse 6 says, He only... He being God only. The only one. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Now, Peter gives some pictures. So we're going to have some pictures to remind us. We're going to have a picture for each one on the screen. But also we're going to do a little object lesson here for each one. And and how many of you have played the game Jenga? You notice I grabbed one from the top, not from down below. It would have been pretty embarrassing if the first one out would have knocked the whole thing out. And if you don't know the game, what happens is you can't pick from the top layer. You have to pick from down below and you try to take some of these little pieces out without making the whole thing collapse. And obviously, the longer the game's played, the more that are taken out, the more tipsy that the whole thing is. So usually when it comes around to my turn, it's teetering and then I figure it all falls down. But we see that that we are built together as a house. And it starts with the foundation of Christ, but each one of the pieces, each one of the, as Peter shares, the living stones have a part to play. We have the benefit that we are 
founded in Christ. He is our solid rock. He is our hope. He is our salvation. But then each part has a responsibility. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Romans chapter 12 and others, but those two specifically, Paul compares the church, those followers of Christ, to a body. And each part of their body has the job that they're to do, and when they don't do their job, the whole body is affected. The whole body hurts. And so as living stones built up to a, as a spiritual house, we have the foundation of Christ. We can rest in Him. We can stand firm in Him. But we each have our responsibility. And each one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, God has said that He gives you spiritual gifts. You also have abilities. You have passions that you're to use for the good of the whole. As the building is solid and strong, we have a responsibility as a living stone to fit together to form the strong building based on Christ. And again, it has to be based on Christ. Oftentimes, we have a mentality that, yeah, Jesus Christ was a good teacher or a great example, but He needs to be the foundation of everything we are and everything we do. But then we are built up in and on Him. And we have a responsibility as His followers, as the church, to work together to advance His kingdom and to encourage each other to grow in Him and to share the Gospel with a world that needs Him. And every part is vital. Every stone is needed. When I was in college, I, I, we had chapel three times a week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 10 o'clock. And they brought in some incredible chapel speakers, but but sometimes, especially if you had lots of schoolwork to do that you probably should have done the night before, but you were busy doing other, what you felt was more important things. Your professors may have disagreed. But, so anyway, I remember sometimes going to chapel, it's sort of like, oh, we got chapel. And, and so we had, and there was at least a couple thousand people in the chapel service. We were in the gym, and so a lot of people were up in the bleachers and had chairs on the floor and the stage on one side. And, and so we were all sitting there in chapel, and, and one of our professors, and he was a guy everybody really liked, and so, but he, uh, he was sharing it, and he was talking about these stones. I can't remember if he was from 1 Peter 2 or another passage talking about being built up together. And so what he did is, is throughout his challenge, he, he put some different bricks and he, and he did different things with them and talked about, you know, one he, he'd cut in half and one was crumbling and, and then some, you know, a solid gold brick, not really, but painted, and, and all these different things. And, and he compared them to how we follow Christ and how we work together. And everybody was listening or 
semi-listening or doing their schoolwork for the 11 o'clock class and pretending they were listening or, or whatever. But then all of a sudden he said, all right, I've described these different, these different bricks and different passages that talk about whether we're serving God or not. Now what we're going to do is, is we're going to have you come down and you're going to point out which brick you are. All of a sudden there was a lot of tension in the room. And he pointed up to the back corner of the bleachers and says, okay, we're going to start right back there, so come on down. And I guess a little bit to my surprise, everybody in that back section got up and started coming down. And we were all thinking in our mind, oh boy, which one am I going to pick? Am I going to be truthful? Or am I going to go like, okay, that's really where I am, but I'm going to go about three steps up to look a lot better. And, and all of a sudden it was very quiet other than the people walking toward the front where he had these sets of bricks or blocks laid out. And when the first person got up to the, to the front, the lineup starting behind them, he said, all right, I'm not going to ask you to do that in front of everybody. But it made you think, didn't it? And you could hear an audible sigh of relief. But what a reminder. God has prepared each one of us. If we are his follower, he has prepared us for a task. We're part of the building. We need to do our job. God has called each one of us to do that. And he has prepared us to do that. Our choice is whether we're going to step out and do what he's called us to do. So we are living stones. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and talks about how we are priests. And we see that a little bit in verse 5 and also in verse 9. And we see the picture of the priest here. For the Jews, they really understood the priest. You see, the priest was the go-between between the people and God. He was their representative. The people would bring their sacrifice to the priest, and the priest would go and offer the sacrifice to God on behalf of the person or the people. And so for the people that, that understood this and lived this in their Jewish culture, they got the picture. Peter is saying, I am a priest. We can get rid of the go-between. And so let's see what it says in verse 5. It says this, You also as living stones, we've talked about them briefly, are being built up a spiritual house. But then he says, A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 9 and says that we are a royal priesthood. So what's the benefit of being a priest? The benefit of being a priest is we have access to God. Those Jewish people were required to go to the priest and then, God, and then the priest would go to God on their behalf. And then one time a year, 
I mean, they would do sacrifices all the time, different sacrifices representing different things and, and demonstrating their faith and obedience through that. But it was also a picture of the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ. But then one time a year, the high priest, priest number one, would go into what they called the Holy of Holies. It began in the tabernacle and then the temple. And the Holy of Holies was a place where it represented the presence of God. And one time a year for one special sacrifice, he would go in to the Holy of Holies. And the holiness of God so amazing that, that they would take and they would tie a rope to the priest, the, to the high priest. Because if he died there, if he didn't do something to be ceremonially clean and he had done something wrong and, and he went into the presence of God improperly, he would die immediately. But no one could go in there to get him out. Because <laughs> they would die. If they went, so they would take a rope or a cord and they would tie it to the priest. And so if something happened, they could sort of <laughs> pull him out. If you're questioning that, just, just think of, you remember the old movie where uh, they, they found the Ark of the Covenant? You remember that? That was 1970s or 80s. Yeah. And uh, so, sort of picture that. But they would go in, and, and one of the amazing parts of the crucifixion story, a part that oftentimes we don't dwell on enough, was what took place in the temple when Jesus died. It says that when Jesus died, that the, the veil or the curtain that separated off the Holy of Holies was torn in half, this incredibly thick curtain. But it was torn in half. And what did that picture? It pictured the fact that through Jesus Christ we have access to God. The benefit of having access to God. We don't need to go through a priest. Through Jesus Christ we have access. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it talks in the verses leading up to that that, that Jesus Christ was the, the high priest, but we are priest and we can go before God. We have access to God. I remember hearing a, an interview with a, he was a Christian, well-known Christian author and speaker. He traveled the world and, and one of the questions that they asked him was, how do you deal with this with your family? You're traveling all over the world and, and you're doing all these things, you're doing all this writing. How, do you, how does that affect your family life? And, and I'll I'll never forget his answer. He said this. He said, I want my children to know that no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter how important it may seem, that if they call me, I will stop everything I'm doing and answer their call. They know that they have access to me. So the little reminder, access. We can call on God at any time and He's waiting for our call. You know the cool thing? That we don't get one of those robo 
answering machines and we're trying to figure out what number to push okay let's see God it's a medical thing what, what number God then maybe you'll get it or do I leave a message no everything else stops he is there to hear our call we have access to the almighty creator of the universe who desires to have com communication with us. And as a priest, we have access. We have the ability to go before God. And then in verse 9 it says that not only are we a holy priesthood that it talks about in verse 5, but a royal priesthood. We will rule and reign with Christ. We will rule and reign with Christ forever. But what is our responsibility as a priest? Well, we have the responsibility of making sacrifices. Now, there are several sacrifices, and we'll just look at a few of them that, that Scripture talks about that we are to make toward God. Probably the most familiar one is found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And that says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We're to be a living sacrifice. Daily, we're to sacrifice ourselves to God. You know, it's, I believe, harder to be a person who daily sacrifices themselves to God than one who would be willing to sacrifice their life for Him. Neither are going to be easy. But to daily say, all right, God, I am yours today. Use me, direct me, guide me in any way that you see fit. I am a sacrifice. So Romans 12, we're to be a living sacrifice. Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15 challenges us to bring the sacrifice of praise. And I say, oh good, I got that one checked off this week. I sang during a couple of the songs. <laughs> Check, praise. Well, I encourage you to sing during the songs as we praise God together. But our life is to be a sacrifice of praise. As we focus on Christ. And then it goes on in verse 16, says that we are not only to be a sacrifice of praise, but in Hebrews 13, 16, that we're to be this, have the sacrifice of doing good and sharing Christ. Throughout the New Testament, we see the importance of sacrificing our will to God's will. Remember Jesus as He was in the garden about ready to be arrested. What did He say? Lord, if it's possible, have this removed from Me, but not My will, but Yours be done. Am I willing to sacrifice my will, my goals, my desires to Christ, to God? There are other sacrifices we are called to make. But as a priest, we have access to God, but our responsibility is to be one who sacrifices. But guess what? Those sacrifices bring us joy, not misery. And then he goes on in verses 9 and 10 and he shares this third picture of the benefits that we have, the privileges that we have in Christ. And that's that we are citizens. 
Now, as citizens, we, we have an area that we can call home. And so I have a picture here. And if you Google map of heaven, not much comes up. Okay? So, you know, you can try it. Now, the Bible gives a little picture about what it's like around the throne of God. You can also try to Google directions to heaven. You ever try to do that? You know, how to get to Grandma's house. Oh, okay, you do this, 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 and this. How to get to heaven? Uh, I'll give you a hint. There's a place that has a better answer than Google. It's called God's Word. God's Word shares how to get to heaven. Recognizing we're a sinner. That we don't meet God's standard. But yet God sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that when we go to Him and ask for forgiveness, He forgives us. He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. And through His sacrifice, we have eternal life. But so I didn't have it, and they took it down. That's all right. But you saw the picture. It was sort of the United States, and then Montana was red because, you know, Montana is what? God's country, right? So it was the closest thing I could find to heaven. And so we went ahead and put that uh, down to down there. I, I didn't put California. I put Montana. And uh, so anyway, it says... In 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, it says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What are the benefits as citizens? We have rights and privileges as citizens of heaven. We're a chosen generation which shows God's grace in our lives. Something we don't deserve, but God has chosen us. We are a holy nation. We're set apart and belonging to God. We are the people of God, as it says there in verse 9, that we are purchased by His blood. We have so many benefits about because we are citizens of heaven. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this life here on earth is just a, a temporary stay. Your real citizenship is in heaven. In verse 1 of chapter 1, in verses 1 and 2, as Peter's introducing himself and, and the people that he's writing to, he says, We are pilgrims. The old song says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Guess what? I'm just visiting here. My real home is in heaven. And I have benefits of being a citizen of glory. Now, I grew up in Montana, I went off to college, and then I went to seminary in Minnesota, and then I spent a couple years working in a church there in Minnesota before I had the privilege of coming back to Montana. But I came back to Montana at the wrong time. We got to Montana about June 15th, and since I had, had a Minnesota driver's license, I'd been there for, for several years, 
and I had was no longer I no longer had a Montana driver's license and so guess what they said for hunting regulations you had to be a resident of Montana for six months it didn't make any difference that I'd been for 22 years <laughs> because there was a break I came June 15th July 15th, August 15th, September 15th, October 15th, November 15th, December 15th. Guess what? Hunting season ended Thanksgiving weekend. So I could hunt about two and a half weeks after it was over. I had to wait a whole nother year. Now, it didn't make any difference to the animals. They were pretty safe if I was out hunting or not. But I was really sad. But guess what? I have privileges and benefits because I am a citizen of heaven. I am part of God's family. And, and I know we've shown up on a map, but I decided to bring a map. All right, and this is a map. And again, it's not of heaven, but it's a map. Actually, this is a map of Helena. In case you get lost on the way home or looking for a place to eat, you can grab this on the way out. But... You know, and, and map, and for those of you under 30, that's how we used to do it. <laughs> See, we would go on a trip, and the co-pilot, or navigator we would call them, would open up the map, and it's usually big, and you can't get it open, it's even harder to get it closed, to fold it all the right way. And you would get it open, and it would pretty much block three quarters of the vision of the driver, as, they were, as, as you're trying, and you're turning it over, and trying to figure out the map. And AAA, they had a really cool thing where you could actually, if you said we're going on a trip and you belong to AAA, they would give you maps that you could take. You know, we should sponsor this morning, sponsored by AAA. See if we get a little... Anyway, but a map. A reminder of how to get home. And we are citizens. We're just passing through here. But what is our responsibility? We saw there in verse 10, it's the responsibility to give praise. We are to proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We're to be ambassadors of God's kingdom. We're just pilgrims. We have an eternal dwelling that has so many more privileges and benefits. So I've got a picture here, and we'll see if anybody other than those who were in the sound booth or were in first service and came back for second. Does anybody know who this is? All right, her name is Eileen Gu. Does that ring a bell? Okay, and I even, I had to, I, I did more than just the, the written. I had to listen to make sure I got her last name correct. But, so Eileen Gu made a big, there was a big issue in the 2022 Winter Olympics that nobody watched. You remember those? Okay, sorry, just a little joke there. 
Uh, they were in Beijing and there were a lot more important things going on around Beijing than the Olympics. But Eileen Gu was born in and grew up in San Francisco. But her mother was Chinese, or is Chinese. And she chose, and actually in 2019, she chose to represent China rather than the United States of America. And she made a few statements, and she ignored a few issues. But we're not going to get into the political aspect of it. But she made a choice who she was going to represent, right or wrong, she made that choice. We have the same choice. Who are we going to represent? Is our life going to be focused on who I am and what I have here? Or who I am and what I have in Christ? That's the ultimate decision that each and every one of us have to make. Now, I am proud to be an American. I'm going to stand for our country and the freedoms we have, even though there can be some things that are frustrating. And by the way, be ready for next week. You might want to bring a seatbelt. You should read the next verses in chapter 2. But it is nothing in comparison to my true citizenship in heaven. And that needs to affect every part of my life. As a living stone, as a priest, and as a citizen of heaven, I am called to live differently. And I can do that with joy, knowing that that's the only way I can have true joy. And recognizing that the benefits are amazing. The perks are incredible. And my Father is faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you as Almighty God love us more than we can imagine. Lord, help us to recognize who we are and what we have in you. Lord, help us not live our lives as your followers grumbling like Eeyore. But Lord, rather that we bring the sacrifices of praise, that we're the living sacrifices that you've called us to be, and that we're the ambassadors that we are called to be. Lord, we are so grateful for your faithfulness. Help us to respond with love, obedience, serving you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.